Welcome back to the Leadership Locker. Uh, so happy to be back. Uh, my guest today, Dan Fleischman, is the youngest founder of a publicly traded company in history. When he was 19, he was licensing apparel for $9 million. He scaled an energy drink company into 55,000 retail stores. And by the way, his first distributor for that was Budweiser. Uh, he's consistently hosting business events. He's done a top five online poker site, angel investor in 36 companies, founder or co-founder of the $100 million mastermind, which is a $100,000 buy-in, I believe. He hosts Elevator Night. He's got a book. I mean, it's endless. And guess what? You wouldn't recognize him if you saw him on the street. He is as humble as can be. He's always willing to help. And when I hit him up on the DM, it was not an entirely difficult process because he wants to help. This is the type of person I want to have on the show all the time. Uh, so in this episode, I think it's really important uh, that you think about what he talks about, about surrounding yourself with useful people, how social proof is the key to your success as an entrepreneur, um, angel investing, you know, all these things. And you know what? Dan's purpose to me, even though he's been hustling since he was selling at swap meets when he was a kid, is that if you're approaching 40 like me game on like it's still on you don't need to be a gary v or a dan where you have years and years in a childhood of entrepreneurial exposure and experience he's saying it's on and he also allows you to get his new ebook for free uh, how to set your business up for under a thousand dollars buythisbook.com is where you can get it with the code word elevator. It's all you. It's a checklist for literally how you can set up your business for under a grand. Check this out. Please subscribe and review if you enjoy it. Thank you. Here we go. Dan, yeah. So welcome to the Leadership Locker. We didn't get a chance to talk beforehand, but this is a podcast designed uh, for transitioning military uh, service members and veteran entrepreneurs, because I am both of those things. Uh, and just so you know, a little bit of context, like I'm going to be 40 in a few months and I decided to quit my corporate job after I retired from the Marine Corps. And I was like, here we go. I'm doing my business. Turned into a good media business. Um, really had some good informal mentors. There's people like you out there. I've met Gary Vee a bunch of times and personal branding for executives is my thing. Uh, so all that being said, I met you very briefly in Miami at a mastermind. And I was like, look, man, I'm going to be honest right now. I'm like, who is this? And I was just like, and, and you know, it's funny because sometimes I'll mention Gary Vee and people are like, who? I'll mention Shalene Johnson. They're like, who? So you never know everybody. But what I learned from you in that was you are super ultra connected. You ambition is insane. And obviously, there's plenty of people who know about how you took your company public at 23 and, and all these other things. So that is my very briefest introduction. And I wanted to say welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So like look, I could unpackage a million different things from all the content I've seen about you. But I want to start with this. You've talked about how you, your parents hustled at the swap meet and you were always hustling with baseball cards and all this other stuff. If you are new and you're someone in my age range who's like, all right, uh, now I want to do my own business, especially if I'm a service member and I'm like, fuck this, I don't want to work for anyone anymore. And I don't have those entrepreneurial roots like you do, where you got to see the hustle, then you were part of the hustle. Where do you even start if you want to do your own thing? Sure. So usually what I would say is getting somebody next to you 
that's useful for you. Meaning if you're not, if you're not an extrovert then, and you're an introvert, you've got to get an extrovert next to you to do it. If you're not an entrepreneur by trait, it's hard to learn entrepreneur as far as the passion part and the crazy part that comes with it. Sometimes I recommend being employee number four or being partner to the crazy person is way better than trying to change who you are as a person. When I talk about my family stuff, they didn't have money. It was just they had the entrepreneurial drive. We came yeah. here with nothing. So yeah. when they opened up a Levi's jean store, it was a tiny little shop. We'd sell jeans out of the back of a van on the weekends. And so I would sell cards also. But it wasn't like Gary Vee had a much bigger and better story with $3 million a year to start. You know, those are much bigger businesses. I didn't have that. So the entrepreneurial drive came from like, I need to make money in order to go to college. I need to save up this type of money. And so I worked three jobs. I did all those things. So what I, what I say that is don't look at it like the Gary Vee type stories or my story of like, I need this entrepreneurial bug. If you don't have the entrepreneurial bug, that's okay. Yeah. Finding somebody that does, because what they don't have usually is your work ethic. Because the people with, in the military, they are willing to work five in the morning, wake up, do whatever they're supposed to do, make sure that checklist, boom, 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 execute. So somebody that's been in the service those people are going to execute at a much greater scale than most people I'm going to find. Right. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are the entrepreneur themselves. And it's yep. not a, it's not a bad thing. Yep. Too many people think that they need to be the entrepreneur when they don't. Mm -hmm. Right. And so finding that person that's not necessarily, that's totally different from them, just willing to do different things than them. Yeah. Makes complete sense. So, in one of your podcasts you were on, I, I heard uh, you, you did a great breakdown on investing, uh, strategic investing, angel investing. What if exactly what you just said, I realized, you know what, like I don't have the tendencies, uh, but you know, I saved a, a ton of money or I saved a good amount of money and I'd rather invest in someone the same way you do. Um, what would you say to someone like that to mitigate the risk, even though there's always going to be risk, but to mitigate it to an extent? It's finding somebody that's right or die. So I'm investing in the people that I know are willing to put in the work. And if I text them at 1030 at night, it's not like, oh, I can't believe Dan's asking for this at 1030 at night. <laughs> it's, they're already responding because they want to do it and they want to work. And too often people look at somebody that, oh, they have a Harvard degree or they have this or they have that. I'll take somebody, I'll take somebody from the Navy or every <laughs> single time over somebody from Harvard. Right? Because that, that person's putting their life on the line, right? I know the training and skills and situation they went through for years compared to somebody's family paid for them to go to Harvard and they you know, spent a quarter million dollars on school. Yeah. Not to take away from them, them being smarty pants is great. That's not somebody I'm betting on. Yep. Because what I want is somebody in the trenches. Yep. That's willing to work. When I, you know, it's two in the morning and something happens at the, at the warehouse they drive over two in the morning, not, Hey, can somebody call Nancy and find out if she can go over there? Like I want the guy that's willing to get up out of bed and go fix what's happening at the warehouse. You know? Yeah. Like you're super big on just grinding and, and, you know, I think grinding and hustling, like the connotation is getting it to the point where people are like, dude, take it easy. Like you don't need to yeah. be doing all this all the time. But uh, I also heard you on one show where you mentioned that, you know, when the time comes and, and you have a family that you want to be in a position to be like, look, 
it's me and them for a few, for a few years. I'm not going to disappear, but this is what I want. How important do you think it is to have a goal like that in order to kind of push yourself past those, those kind of self-inflicted barriers or, or limits? You know what I'm saying? Right. So what's interesting about goals in the entrepreneur space or life space is they're moving goals. So if I told you, hey, you, you need to get to 100,000 followers on Instagram, that's going to be your big thing. The day you get to 100,000, literally the same day, you're <laughs> going to want to go to 200,000. <laughs> yeah. I know because I've done it for so many different people, helping them build their following. It's very expensive. And I tell them up front, I'm like, this is addicting. You know, I know you want to get to a million followers, but the second you get to a million, you're going to want to go to two. And it's yeah. not that easy, blah, blah, blah. And so when I say I want to get to X amount, I know that number moves. If you say I want to get to a Lamborghini, which I don't, obviously I don't do that stuff. I don't buy those type of things. You want to get to Lamborghini? Literally the day that you get the Lamborghini, the feeling will wear away. Yeah. The day you get to that goal of $1 million, it will go away. The the actual same day, the euphoria goes away. Because when you get there, you realize it was just a bunch of things that you had to do on the same exact checklist to get there. Whether you made 80 grand or a million dollars, it's the exact same stuff. It's just at scale. Yes. And so when I have these goals, it's that I know my goal will move. Even though I say, I want to, I want to help feed the homeless. I want to feed a million homeless. Great. Yep. The second I feed a million homeless, I'm going to want to feed another. One. Yeah. That's crazy. So I, I never really thought of it that way. So, uh, and I'm looking at some questions. My CEO was like, you better ask him some of these questions. Uh, and this is a great one we got recently. We, we got brought on, uh, hired to do a, a YouTube series for, for a company. And they're like, look, we really want to do some stuff with influencers. I'm like, um, cool, not, not my bag. Uh, like right now, we do everything organic. We kind of stray away from paid a little bit. We have massive success on LinkedIn organically. But we're like, yeah, we can make these YouTube videos. It still begs a question for, for... And this is perfect. You're the perfect person to ask is when it comes to beginning or even contemplating having an influencer strategy and I am a new company or I don't have a social media presence and I have not cultivated it for years like you, how the fuck do I even approach anybody to to team up and think I'm going to be able to leverage it massively? Sure. So they need social proof. They need to see your clients. They need to see other photos or videos you've done. Once you can show them that you've done something for somebody else, it removes their, their wall right? When you go, let's use the podcast as an example. You can now show other people in my circle that I was on your podcast and they will feel much more comfortable because you went through a process and I, I'm in, right? You go get a client and you say, you know what? I did this pizza chain. They have seven restaurants. Go to other pizza chains and burger spots. Now, guess what? They're in because they know the place that has seven shows you. And so Getting social proof is my biggest thing. When I had my energy drink, I walked into every single meeting and I never got no. Nobody said no. 55,000 stores. I don't say this in a cocky way. I can't remember somebody saying no. <laughs> Whether I blocked it out and I'm delusional or not, yeah. I, don't, I sincerely, I would pass every lie detector test. I, I don't remember somebody saying no to buy my drink. Why? I didn't go in selling. I walked in with an order form explaining that I'm already in 7-Eleven, I'm already in Costco, I have Budweiser as my distributor, how much would be good for you to start with? Crazy. Literally, I never was, 
I walked in assuming you're going to order because why wouldn't you order? They have it. They have it. Yeah. Your distributor carries it. Like I know I'm, you know, and so I went in there with this, I don't know if you want to call it cockiness or assurance or confidence, but I sincerely from the bottom of my heart, just because I already knew that I was in these other chains. How did I get in those first chains? I was carrying drinks and cases for free to the first ones and said, here, just put it in here for free. If you sell it, pay me. If you don't, don't worry about it. Give it, give it to your staff. Wow. My very first Budweiser, there was 43 distributors. My very first one, Orange County, yeah. I gave them two truckloads for free. Crazy. When I say free, I meant on consignment, meaning you guys sell it, pay me later. Sure. They were like, we've never had that in our, there was like 80 years, in our 80 years, nobody's ever done that. Yep. I said, just take it. Yep. I'll help you sell it too, by the way. Let me go in the car with these guys and I'll bring some friends with me and my sales reps and we'll go in the car with them. It's called ride-alongs. We'll go do ride-alongs and open up accounts for you. Wow. We're going to open up 20, 30 accounts a day for them. Well, that's 100 accounts a week. In two weeks, they already had three, 400 <laughs> accounts. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Not, not only did they pay me for those two truckloads, they reordered and introduced me to Budweiser, Arizona, Budweiser, Utah, et cetera. So I say that because if you believe in your product or yourself, go do certain things for free to get that street cred, to get that social proof, because it pays off forever. What should the goal then be if I'm if if I am trying to to leverage an influencer? If I if I didn't know you and I hit you up and I'm like, hey, like I got this really good personal branding business. I want to be the personal brand guy who does all the behind the scenes for uh, Jimmy Fallon and The Rock and all these amazing people. What is my goal then ultimately to leverage from an influencer? Because the involvement is usually probably not as much as it, as someone would like, right? It's leading with what you've already done. So that social proof is critical because if you go in saying, I want to do branding for The Rock, well, you better have done something for Kevin Hart <laughs> or you better have done something for somebody really big. Yeah. If you just did something, if you, if you go to The Rock and say you just did it for Dan, well, that's not big enough for The Rock. Yeah. Right? It has to be somebody that they respect or interested in or somewhere on their level. Yeah. So my example was 7-Eleven. Well, that's because they respect Costco and Rouse and Albertsons. Yes. The affinity. Yeah, totally. Okay. So, but if I would have went to some huge mega corporation, they don't care about this. See what I'm saying? Yep. So it has to be something. And that lead in is critical because it's a so much different conversation. If you lead in saying, I already do personal branding for Gary V and Ty Lopez. Well, great. What, where do I sign up? Right. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so I, I kind of mentioned a few minutes ago about how we do everything organic. And part of that is I'm, I'm still just learning on the paid side. Like this is 18 months in for me. Um, I've met Billy jeans a couple of times. So I like do some of his marketing stuff. I've looked into, uh, some other people out there. I'd love to really get your take on paid and unpaid. And if you are, I don't want to say strapped for cash, but you know, like cash flow isn't super heavy. You're new, your company is starting to thrive a little bit. When should you have already been doing paid the entire time? Or is there a certain time or threshold that you recommend is like, here's when you make the jump? Sure. So paid media, you're never going to waste money. Meaning you can't go to paid. They're not going to let you pull out some fancy Amex and spend 10 grand a day. When it, there's a little slide, you can't slide it. 10,000 is not an option, right? You can be like, okay, spend 350 bucks and see how you do. Okay. Spend 200 bucks, 500 bucks, hundred bucks. So 
a lot of that is drilling for oil. You're going to be finding what works and what doesn't, but it won't let you waste a ton of money doing it. It's a lot of couple hundred dollar a day type stuff on different platforms. Mm-hmm. Normally, there's only two options. I don't recommend you becoming the expert. You either find a kid or find sure. somebody, get them all the courses, let them learn from Chase and Zach, Chase here and Zach Welkman, or let them learn from the Morrison brothers. Let them learn from these people that spend a zillion dollars on paid or bring on an agency and white label what you do. Meaning mm-hmm. brand gives you the money. I do that. I run the biggest social media agency on the planet. People think I do paid. I don't do paid. My friend does. He has 180 employees. My <laughs> other friend does. He spends 200 million a year. My other friend does. He spends 130 million a year. All I do is depending on the type of client, I say, Hey, I have this client. They're spending hundred K with me. They want to spend another hundred K on paid. But I don't do that. You want it? They're like, of course <laughs> And then they run it. I do that all the time. Yeah. Seven years because I'm not going to build a better paid media agency than my friends that spend 130 million, 200 million. Right. I'm not going to build a better agency. My friend has 180 employees. He crushes it. Why would, why would I try to replicate what they're doing when they're doing it so well and I can just work out an affiliate deal with them? You say that's, you say that's so matter of fact, like, I think that's a real difficult thing for beginning entrepreneurs to be like, well, I need to be a practitioner. I need to learn it. So that way I, you know, I know at least about it. Like, how did you get to that point? Or was it always there where you're just like, look, like someone can do it better. I'm not going to risk it because you want that social proof, right? Like you want to deliver for your clients. So you, you know, innately that like, I'm going to farm this out or white label it. Like, how do you get to that point in the, when you're trying to hustle, hustle, hustle and do everything that you can to, to have that presence of mind? Cause I know what I'm really good at and I know who's better at other stuff and I don't have an ego about it. Mm-hmm. If somebody else is better at that, they're better at that. That's it. But mm-hmm. I also know from the ego perspective, I know I've spent more on Instagram posts than anybody in history. <laughs> so some, and it's, there's no second place. Yeah. Nobody close. <laughs> and because of that, I can say it with, with, I hate saying it in that fashion, but it's yeah. the blunt truth. Yes. However, these guys crush me in paid media. And if I, I would be an ant, even if I put up millions and millions of dollars and hired a mega team, I still would never catch up to them because they've got half a decade head start and hundreds of millions of dollars in advance in, in knowledge. Yeah. So because of that, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I can help somebody with Instagram and other social media platforms. I can't help them with paid media. Hmm. To your point though, I still know about this stuff. Sure. I do like researching and learning it, but not in the fact that I don't need to be a practitioner. Yep. I want to watch what these guys do. I want to watch what they do. I know what this company does. I know what that agency does. I know what the main employees they need to do it does not mean that I want to do those things. I just want to be able to be knowledgeable in a discussion with a client, whether I'm directing them direct with them. I just plug them together and I get some kind of commission or I don't depending on the deal. Most times I do. Or if I'm white labeling and saying, okay, instead of sending me hundred K and then hundred K to them, just send me 200 K. And I'll send them 90, for example, and I'll keep 10 grand. Yeah. And, and, that, and by the way, everybody's happy in the scenario because this company would love to have one vendor. So yeah. they're not paying more. Me getting a commission does not charge them more. It's yep. fair to them. Let's call it this watermelon company, random example. Yep. If they send me 200 grand, 100K for social, 100K for paid, they're still going to spend the exact same dollar. Mm-hmm. They're not hurting them at all by making commission from them, whether they know about it or not know about it. I'm just setting up with them with another agency that I know crushes it. And so for you, it doesn't matter what size business you are, whether you're small or medium now, or you're really large later, 
completely irrelevant. Meaning if this watermelon company came to you and said, Hey, the CEO needs branding. Can you help him? And, and they're like, yeah, but we also want paid media. You could go to the same agencies I'm talking about or other agencies and say, Hey, I have a client. They want to spend 50 grand or 25 grand on paid. What are they ever going to say no to you? <laughs> yeah, Never. exactly. Yeah. You, you make a non-circumvent so they can't go to that person like, Hey, we do paid. Right. <laughs> you can, that way you can either direct them and get a commission or white label and say, great, I'll do your paid. I have, I partnered with an agency and they don't even have to talk to them. Yeah. So it just depends on what they need. If they, if they need to get backend access and there's a ton of back and forth, it's better to just set them up with the agency directly. Yeah. Just make a deal in advance, not afterwards in advance of non-circumvent and X amount of commission. Wow. Um, you love social media. You said, you just said you have like the biggest social media agency. There's so much to choose out there. Here I am late to the game. Uh, you know, I was an infantryman or whatever it is. I get out and I'm like, okay, I had, I was low key. Now I know I need a presence. They, they meet someone like me. I'm like, you need to be everywhere. Where right now, and I mean, I feel like I look at you and Instagram, I'm like, okay, yeah, but like he's been in that thing for a while. Where is the quote unquote low hanging fruit or is there none? And you just need to work your ass off everywhere to build the base. The, the base is based on your platform that fits you most. Got it. Meaning you can go crush it on LinkedIn or TikTok, which are two unique platforms compared to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is in the middle. Totally. Right. Snapchat doesn't matter. And YouTube is all long form content. And so if you're niche, like you're a business person, well, go crush it on LinkedIn. You should still have a TikTok, but you're not gonna be dancing around there. Yeah. My business videos on TikTok, I've got some videos doing quarter million views. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks you got to dance around. I don't have some big following there. You did do the game changer one. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. <laughs> But videos will get like 2,000, 4,000, 3,000 views, and then boom, quarter million. You just don't know with TikTok, right? You just put out content. But those same videos are on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is all business, business, business. I still put the game changer video on LinkedIn too. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Like I'm not doing something to hurt anybody. So if I'm putting out content that's fun and helpful, great. Most of the time on LinkedIn, it's just business, business, business. Sure. That's what it should be. So the point of it is, picking one or two platforms that fit for your niche, yeah. but still having all the other platforms because you don't know where people are going to gravitate to you. You don't know where they're going to find you. You are like a no shit, like super serial entrepreneur. You have your hands in so many different things. And this question's from uh, my COO. She's like, how do you know when you can or should do that? Like, is there stuff that you would be approached about that you would say no to, even if you recognize it was a good opportunity, uh, opportunity, but you know nothing about it? I turned down so much stuff. I can't even think about it. when I say I've done 36 investments, that's over six years. Mm -hmm. That's only six a year. <laughs> I get thousands and thousands of pitches per year. So it sounds like, whoa, we've done 36 investments. It sounds cool on paper. That means I've probably seen five or 10,000 deals in that six years. And I think yeah. this many. And so there's a ton of deals that I turned down, even when I know about the space Interesting. Or, I, or I believe in the entrepreneur. There's just, I can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And I have to know that it has a shot at glory. Meaning there's some businesses that I invest in that are never going to have a shot at glory. I just know 
this business, let's call it Everbowl. They have 28 locations. They had 24 when, got, when I invested last year. I know that's a thing that can go to 50, 100, 200, 300 locations. Not going to be thousands because they don't want to do that. Yep. But I can fast forward the process. Yep. So as soon as I invested, multiple of my friends invested. Oh, I'll put in half a million. I'll put in some money. I'll put it like they all jumped in. Four more locations open within five weeks of me investing. And then, oh, by the way, we can now ship nationwide. Oh, great. Oh, by the way, my friend is going to buy 20 locations for the West Coast. Great. I've doubled the size of their company in a few months of just my, my phone book. Yes. But I'm not in the restaurant space. I don't, yeah. like me investing in Everbowl was because of the founder, that kid, Jeff Fenster. That kid is relentless. Yes. Right? And so I look at, so you know how many other restaurants have pitched me over the years? <laughs> yeah. Never even considered it. Not even for a second. They couldn't have given me the equity. Like I don't, I didn't want to be in the space, but this kid, how relentless Jeff is, I'm in, I'm betting yeah. on him. Quarantine happens. Boom. Let's do nationwide shipping. Boom. That's it. Like it was not even like a, something he'd never done in three and a half years of business. And then yeah. all of a sudden, okay, let's get everybody to the warehouse. Let's figure this out. Let's make packages. I set him up with a guy to make his boxes. I set him up with a warehouse for shipping. Like I'll set it up. You and then he took it from there. So I'm looking at things and there's, so many I turn down that I can make money on because I'm not in it for the money. I remember when I invest in these companies, when I say I'm not in it for the money, an angel investor looks at me crazy or a venture capitalist looks at me crazy. Do you know why I say that? It's because I'm not going to get the money for seven to 10 years. So how can I be in it for the money? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, high percentage of the time, they're not going to work out. Luckily, mine are all still going. But like seven years from now, eight years from now, is when they're supposed to exit. Yep. Not in one year, not in two years, not in three years. So why would I be doing it for the money? What do I care about that money in seven years from now? I'm doing it for the game. I want to learn about stuff. There's certain companies I invest in to learn. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's awesome. So let me ask you this. You said earlier, like, I'm not that guy when, when you mentioned the Lamborghini and you just said, it's not about the money. Like you are incredibly humble. You were responsive. That's how we're on this podcast. But it's not really a but, but you talked about I'm investing. So I got my friends too. Like, what is it that makes you be like, look, I'm spreading the love here? Or are you just trying to give these businesses the best option, the best chance possible? Or do you just want to share with your friends? Like, which one is it? Sure. So when I invest into a company, my friends know the vetting process. So I'm putting my stamp on it. They know what they went through to be one of six companies in a year. It's not like I see 10 deals, I'm seeing thousands. Like it's yep. weird to say that number, but it's thousands. Yep. And I'm able to filter through, filter, filter, filter. Boom. Wait a minute. This is interesting. Wait a minute. This is interesting. Ah, never mind. And I'll find something along the way. And so when I invest, that's happened most of the time. Actually, it's happened all, yeah, almost every time, really, because my friends, and it's different friends, some do it every time. Yeah. There's some guys that are like, they just stroke a check every time. And I'm not <laughs> asking them. They just, I'm catching up with them. Like, oh yeah, I invested in this and this and this and boom. I find out they invested or I put them on and like, and so, uh, I want the company to succeed obviously cause I've now invested into the company. So that's a big deal for me. Yeah. I want my friends to invest in them because I believe in this company. They've passed all these requirements and it's a win, 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 win for everybody in the circle. Yeah. I don't come in promising that, but it's happened over and over with trendy yeah. Butler. 
Trendybutler.com is like a monthly box for men. Yeah. 65 bucks a month, 150 bucks in clothing. I was the very first check. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah. My friends put in, I, so Elevator Studios, our agency, we put in 150,000. Within a week, my friends put in 1.2 million more. No plan for that. I didn't expect it. I didn't pitch them all. I just told them about what we did, what we're going to do with this brand, and away they go. We did that with a travel site. It was like a reverse travel site. Instead of you saying, oh, I want to go to Hawaii, how much would it cost? You say, I've got two grand. Where can I go in the world? Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know I could go to Bangladesh and El Salvador and whatever. That company, same thing. I put in a small check because they didn't need a bunch of money. And then within 48 hours, which does not happen, within 48 hours, two of my friends wired in 1 million to 50,000. That's they weren't even doing a rate. You know how hard that is? Like paperwork wise, like, so, and now it went on to raise 8 million more after that. Like this goes back to social proof though, right? Like it's, it's got the Dan social proof. Like you, you, you wouldn't take on anyone you've invested, you have skin in the game. So, I mean, I think it just makes it that much easier for your friends and, and that business to grow. Um, so here's one that uh, is really important when it comes to social strategy, there's so many different aspects to, to social media and social strategy and growing your brand and a following. What, and I know this is a, such a loaded question, but what is like the one key element you're like, you need to be so dialed in on this in order to have an effective social strategy and be seen? Consistency. Yeah. And making things that people care about. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point is, most people make content for themselves instead of for their followers. Yes. And so if you make something funny or interesting or shareable or cute or like those things, that becomes content that people can share and comment on and engage. If you post eight selfies in a row, I don't have anything to engage with you on selfie number eight, right? Like, what do I say? How many times can <laughs> I put, let me put a fire, fire, fire emoji. Like, <laughs> like, on, and so people making content that has to make it for other people. When I say provide value, I don't mean it like provide value like this. I mean, make it funny or make it interesting or make it like you think bowling, owning a bowling alley is boring because you've owned a bowling alley for 16 years. You and I, Whoa, I never, (laughs) that's cool. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean you have to, I didn't know that there was like this piping system in the back to do the the balls go this way. I didn't know the bumpers or blah, 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 this much. And they have to get repairs. Like show us that stuff. Show us that. You know, instead of you just showing how cool your bowling alley is from the outside, whoop de doo show show us the back, like that thing. Like, how does that the pins get put back together? Like, I want to see that stuff as a fan, as a follower. Yeah, you think it's boring because it's been 16 years of your life. That's right. That's funny. Uh, I interviewed a TikToker a couple weeks ago, and she has a glass blowing business, and that channel just destroys it because it's all the behind the scenes. It's like incredible content. It's just super interesting, and of course, sales are through the roof. So, uh, I you, you mentioned you know how many times you get pitched, and you have a good process where you're like, okay, send me this, send me this, you know, and you kind of trickle it down, and then there's like that that last couple people, if any. There's so many things you can do as an entrepreneur. You, uh, no, I need to focus on the website. No, I need to focus on an accountant. No, I need to get the business plan in order. No, finance or margins and all these different things. Is there anything that you're like, just hold off a little bit on that? Like, just, just get all these things. Be brilliant at the basics and hold off on some of these things. What would you say are the things that like, you could hold off on, so to speak, to not get in the weeds too much? 
Yeah. It's first setting up shop. Like the whole, my whole book, I wrote this book. It's literally just the <laughs> basics of like, okay, yeah. it's a checklist. Yep. You guys can get the book for free. Just put in the code elevator. You can get the book for free at buythisbook.com. Awesome. awesome. Just type in the code elevator. I, it's literally just a checklist. I want everybody in the freaking country or the world to have this because that's why I give it out for free. I'm like, just, it's the basics. You just yeah. need basic stuff. Yep. And so too many times people are like planning out their Q, Q3. You don't have a corporation yet. Where's your website? Mm-hmm. I don't need a fancy website, just your website. Yes. How come you don't have all your Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube? How come you don't have all your social media handles? Yeah. They're free, 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 and free. Yeah. <laughs> how is your bank account not open yet? Yeah. You, don't, you know how people pitch me that don't have a bank account or investment <laughs> paperwork? I'm like, what if I said yes? Yeah. What if I said yes? What if you're yeah. like, hey, bro, I'm going to start these bluesweaters.com. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a fun idea. I like blue sweater. You're wearing a blue sweater. Great. And then you don't have a website or a corporation or a bank account. Or, <laughs> like, why would I invest in you if you can't do the basics? You know but what I'm I mean, and that's coming from experience because you had what those million orders back in San Diego and you're like, oh shit. And you made it happen, but you're trying to prevent people from being in that same situation. Exactly. So you are like unbelievably connected. How do you, this is going to sound like such a ridiculous question. How do you not get starstruck when you got, you know, Mark Wahlberg and the Kardashians or whoever, and you're just like doing work for them? How do you not let that get in the way? This one's hard because people never want to meet their hero. (laughs) It's different. Like the one person I don't want to meet is Michael Jordan because he's my hero. (laughs) But I know Michael Jordan's a normal dude that just has a relentless work ethic. And I'd rather not meet him. Because yes. of that, I work with everybody else. I don't want to ruin my childhood hero, right? <laughs> but like if we actually went and sat down with Elon Musk, he's our legend for the whole world. He's our Iron Man, right? Mm-hmm. But if we met him, I mean, he just wants to smoke weed and have dinner with you. Like, right? Like we're all actually just human. And so mm-hmm. besides The Rock, he's not human. He's a superhero. <laughs> I know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just when you start to realize who these people are, I mean some of the biggest celebrities on the planet are like talking through with me, like a therapist or talking through with me about advice when they are infinitely richer, infinitely more famous household name, top 10 in the world type people. And they're talking through asking advice and questions and have and are crying, you know, like, and so I, I'm not starstruck in that because of they're humans. Right now I will say something when they are in celebrity mode, I won't even talk to them. I won't go near them. So let's say I'm at an event with, let's say I'm at an event and it's Will Smith and Kevin Hart and this person, that person. I literally won't even go backstage. I won't say hi to them. I won't, I'll go with them in the van leaving afterwards or I'll drive with them there. During that time when they are in the zone, I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, I won't even go near them. Why? They're different people. (laughs) They are the celebrity now. They are that name. Wow. They are that name at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to say a bunch of names, but they are. And it's, and it's, by the way, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Even athletes. Of course. I, will, I have athletes that sleep in my home for the weekend. And then on Sunday morning, drive to the NFL stadium with them. And then during the game or during that whole, dude, they are a different human. A hundred percent. I get I just it. Playing, I was just playing PlayStation with you an hour ago. And now you're like big time. And like, you know, 
So I don't take offense to it. That's their, that's their showtime. And so I've just realized, like, I also know for myself, I won't let them be a celebrity around me. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, last question is going to be, I have a product or service. I've been following uh, Dan and I've been getting some, I've done the checklist. I've done all these things. Um, I, I've, I'm on uh, social consistently. I'm giving value out. I don't have bullshit selfies, but my stuff is not selling. No one is looking at it. How do I remove emotion from this, get into the root cause and, and determine why I'm not selling anything. Sure. The main thing I always say is, does anybody care? So if we're selling blue hoodies, and you and I love blue hoodies, mm -hmm. right? We proved it. But we post it on Facebook, and we post on Twitter, and we post on Instagram, and 700 people go to our website, bluehoodies.com, and nobody buys. That's it. <laughs> How, how, how far do you go though? I mean like, but no, like, dude, this is going to flip, you know, right. like I'm going to put in a hundred dollars a day on Facebook ads. Like it's right. going to work. So I'm so blunt about this stuff <laughs> because it's different when our grandma and your uncle says, you know, what, bro, I'm, I'm going to listen, son, listen, nephew, I'm going to buy 10 of those sweaters. Those blue hoodies are awesome. Way different when they pull out their credit card. It's different. It's real different. And then I always say favors are not scalable. So nope. if grandma bought it or your uncle bought it, the favors aren't scalable. You can't do that again next week, right? You can't go back to them asking over and over. People vote with their wallets. Yep. So if we send 700 people to our website and zero checkout, I'm not doing blue hoodies. You're never going to hear me talk about blue hoodies again. Interesting. I'll still buy them for myself. I'd still buy them for you during the holidays as a present. because I know you like them too. I'm never going to try to sell them again. I'm, I'm too rational to do that. It's the definition of insanity is to keep running $100 a day for 30 days in a row. If it didn't work on day five, it's over. It's over. That's not. And people think you got to keep trying to hammer it in. Not how it works. People, if you got it to an audience and you have a right price point and they didn't check out, it's over. That's it. You have nothing else to talk about. Yeah. Let's, uh, uh let, well, now that being said, and I, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. I want to make sure we end on, on a good, on a good note. Uh, can you tell me a story of something you quickly that, that you were like, I'm not sure this is going to work and it fucking blew up. All right. So there was this Costco had six foot teddy bears <laughs> and they were 300 bucks. And I was like, man, that's expensive, but they're completely sold out. Uh, so I went to my friend, he's a huge toy company guy. I was like, listen, Let's make eight foot teddy bears for 200 bucks. He was like, okay, whatever, let's do it. So we ordered our first 5,000. We just gambled. We're like, let's make 5,000 of them. We ordered these big, huge eight foot teddy bears. We got Jake Paul. We had like literally just huge teddy bears. We sent them out in boxes to all these influencers and there's panda bears and brown bears and <laughs> black bears. I was like, look, if it's bigger, they're sold out at six foot for higher money. Let's make ours more affordable and more fun, different colors. I didn't know how I was actually going to do. Oh my God. It was unreal. <laughs> it was like seconds, seconds. It was out. And That's, I hate, yeah, I hate yeah. selling out. You know, when people say, oh, we sold out. I hate that. It means you mismanage your inventory. Damn. 
That sounds that like just like savage though. Like, cause you're just like, I want to do that. Like, I, like there's just not a lot of people who would be like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm doing well, it right now. I'm doing it right now with masks. Yes. Well, let's, let's end there. Where can we find you and what you're doing? And then dude, before even that, just thank you. Like this was so, so, so good. I know this is going to help so many people. Where can people find you to just get all this knowledge and, and all right. your lessons? So all my social media accounts are the same. It's just at Dan Fleischman. That's also important for you guys. No matter what you're doing, all your accounts, try to have the exact same social media handle because you never know which platforms people like. And then I have 100millionacademy.com. That's my passion and what I'm doing a ton of work on. And then right now during the quarantine, pretty much for the whole summer, every Sunday night is free. It's elevatornights.com. Yeah. We do 5, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's totally free. There's no pitching. There's no sponsors, nothing. It's just um, and we give out money and stuff. So it's a fun every Sunday night, elevatornights.com. That's my my world. Awesome. Uh, well, I cannot thank you enough. I appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully one day uh, I'll be able to show you my business plan and financials and you'll help me freaking take this thing to the next level. (laughs) (laughs) All right.